All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. Mel, how you doing over there? I'm doing, other than sweating like a sinner in church from all this humidity, but it is what it is. It's summertime in New England. It sure is, you know. You know, the other day, the other night I was, I was up late, I couldn't sleep. I was exhausted. I was, I, I, you know, I tried to, I laid down, couldn't get anywhere, and, you know, I found this card in my wallet, and I, I, I took it out, and, you know, Dr. Pleasance on there, Paul Pleasance, I think it was, and, you know, I called it up, I said, hey, uh, Dr. Pleasance, you know, I, I need some help to get some sleep, you know, I really, I really need, I can't do it, you know what I mean, and, uh, he said, yeah. A little know, bit of insomnia? He's like a little bit of the insomnia problem, you know. So he said, you know, why don't you call my buddy Ray Booten up and uh, talk to him. And he could probably help you out in a more beneficial way than I can. So I did. I called up Ray Booten and uh, everything's been great for those last couple of days. Right, Ray? That's right. I got the cure. Hell yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Ray Booten, welcome to the show right there. Uh, Thank you. That's the first time we got an applause in the... Uh, in the studio audience, I believe. So that's something to, to cherish. You know what I mean? Well, I was Ray? Gonna, I was going to give it up. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I would love to see Ray Booten actually play Elvis Presley. That would be something. <laughs> that that should be. Uh, I heard from I heard from a, a source that uh, anthology segments that we thought were finished might not exactly be finished. So if that's the case, we might have to see Ray Booten starring in a segment playing Elvis Presley. Thank you very much. Yeah, he faked his death, and then uh, he's still out and about. Actually, I saw Elvis live twice. R- really? Uh, yeah, once when he was young and thin, and uh, later on when he started to put the weight on, both concerts were good, real good. You can say the you same thing. Yeah. You know how to work a crowd. You can say the same thing about me as a director. Oh, yeah, you know real, good. real good, real <laughs> good. Oh, no, I meant fat and thin and working a crowd. Um, have you seen Bubba Hotep? Uh, no, I haven't. Bubba Hotep's a great... Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, since you brought... Uh, you know, you, you, know Elvis, you brought up the Elvis thing, so i got to bring... Bubba Hotep's a Don Coscarelli film, like early 2000s, I believe. Um, and it's got Bruce Campbell playing Elvis. Uh, uh, and the story is, is like... Uh, Aussie Davis is in it as well. I think it's one of his last films, Rest in Peace. He plays... Uh, he thinks he's JFK, which is funny. Um... But uh, Bruce yeah, Bruce Campbell plays uh, Elvis, and the whole the, the story goes is like back in the heyday, back in like the, the peak of his fame, he he got tired of the, living the whole Elvis gimmick. So what he did is he kind of like he passed it off to somebody who sold the gimmick and kind of went on with his life. And the other person, you know, to turn into Big Elvis and died. The story that we know, and um, the, this film's about Elvis in a nursing home. And nobody kind of believes him that he's Elvis, and he's got a roommate, Aussie Davis, and nobody believes him that he's JFK, and obviously, he's not JFK, you know what I mean? But then there's like a weird, it's a very weird, magical, horror, fun horror film, you know, and then there's like a mummy that comes into it, I don't want to give away too much, but it's a fun film, I think you would like it, you know what I mean? I think it's something, and you kind of, with the spiritual, you, you know, and so much spiritual stuff, I think you would really support it as well, I think you'd dig it. Mad, yeah. Definitely look for it. I'll check it out. Mad Mel, when was the last time you met Ray Booten? I mean, the first time you met Ray Um, Booten. I believe the first time that I finally met Ray was when we were on set 
for American Sasquatch when we were doing our segment. The American Sasquatch that came out today as we record this episode that Ray Booten is here to promote. Oh yeah, that's uh, that was a that was a fun shoot. A little cool and nasty that day, but I had fun doing that one there. Yeah, I've seen the uh, I've seen the trailer on it, and uh, I made it into the trailer, and uh, I really like it. I like the I like the way it went. I like our segment, and um, actually, I pre-ordered it, so I'm waiting for it to come in, and I want to see the whole thing. Good. If you want to sell DVDs, you put Ray Boone in your movie. That's all I know. <laughs> but yeah, that's out. That's out now. As you as you listen to this, it should have been out for a week or two by now. So um, def- definitely hop on Amazon and go get that. I think Walmart might even, you know, Wild Eye releasing released it. Every now and then, you'll see their films in uh, Wally World. Uh, but if you go to like a Bull Moose or something, I'm sure, or Newberry Comics, I'm sure you could probably. There's still Newberry Comics are still a thing, right? I haven't been to one of them in a while. Yeah, they're still, they're still a thing. And I think it's also on video on demand as well. Hell yeah, I'm sure it is, yeah. By the well, yeah on, I know it's on Amazon, and it's on Best Buy. Okay, cool. Yeah. Brought, uh, we that, The great Tony Newton, we have to thank for that opportunity. We're going to have to get him on the show soon over from UK. We have to patch him in from the United Kingdom. Um. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah, Ray got to play a... a, a, a one half of a father and son hunting team of a Sasquatch and um, it may or may not turn out the way they wanted it to you know depending on if they're you know psychopaths or not <laughs> my favorite character to play <laughs> yeah. so Ray how did you get into acting did you do it in like school or is it something that after school you got into it I originally started in high school plays okay. and uh, then I did it in college I spent some time down in Texas. I did it professionally in a play down there. Uh, the play was impromptu. Uh, that was where I did my first uh, stage kiss. Ooh. Uh, male, Ooh. Ma- male or female? Female. Keeping it, keeping uh, it old school. Then I decided uh, I dabbled in some other things for a while. Yeah. And then uh, I decided to join the regular world and get a regular job which uh, I really, for the most part, regret. I think I should have stuck to the acting. But uh, I'd say probably, oh, good 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got a role as an extra in a film called Second Date. Now, the funny thing is, well, this is actually pre-beard, so it's hard Ooh. to recognize me. Interesting. Uh, it was... Christmas party, but it was shot in August. And I went to the house they were shooting it in, and there were two things that, that were uh, kind of funny to me. This is my first time on a set. Is that uh, one is all the windows, shades, everything was shut except for one, which they had kind of all blocked off, and from the outside there was all this like black tarp all over it and extending when I went inside, if you looked out that window, they built a small Christmas scene with snow outside. Yeah. And and then, it would run the air conditioner on high during all the setups, during everything, but when it came time to shoot, they'd kill the air, because they didn't want it in the sound. Yeah. So you'd sweat through the shoot, 
They turn the air back on, touch you up, and then turn the air off. So it was, in, it was, this was a heat wave in August. It was 90 something outside and they had 20 people in this party scene and we're supposedly celebrating Christmas, sweating our butts off. Yeah. Until they yell cut and they crank that air. Then you catch a breath of air, a little bit of cool, and then it's like action again and it's hot. And it was in and out, but I went to a theater and I saw myself on the screen my name in the credits and said, oh yeah, I'm hooked. That's it. I'm hooked. I got to see, I got to do more of this. I got to see where I can go with it. And that was uh, the start in film. The magic of movies. Now, were, when did you get into film? You know, as a kid, were you one of those people that as a kid was always trying to get off to the cinema? Uh, yeah, on a Saturday afternoon, a lot of the Saturday afternoon matinees, mostly creature features. I would go to the theater as a first choice. In high school and in college, I took film classes. Actually, uh, had to make your own films. Mm-hmm. And, uh, did a special effects film, a couple of other little ones for the, for the classes. And then got diverted into other things, like I said, and, uh, returned to it later on. Decided that I wanted to really, uh, pursue it. So to get experience, I started, uh, going for auditioning for every single I started with student films, got some roles in that, in those, did a thesis film for Rhode Island School of Design, somebody in there watched the film, came out in the lobby afterwards, someone came up and uh, said they loved my character, that was a rush. Yeah. Uh, I think I played a mob boss in that one. I like it. Yeah, the stain, I was mob boss. Actor Alexander Hawk has the same story, has a very similar story like that. You're familiar with the actor Alexander Hawk, I hope, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Hawk, yeah. You co starred with him in American Sasquatch out today on DVD and video on the. <laughs> yep. He, he, play, he plays my son. What type of relationship was that on set with Alexander Hawk? He's gone on to gigantic heights. Um, what was, was he? Was he still humble at that point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 was Hawk. He was humble. So, what were some of your uh, like favorite characters to play back in the old theater days? Uh, oh, I did Our Town. I actually uh, played one of the characters in there. I think it was like a church member. I was the voices from off uh, off stage. Yeah, and that and that one. Um, I was in, uh, oh, what's that Christmas one with the little boy? Christmas Carol? Or no, there, there's another one, uh. A Christmas Story? Is it a natural? Uh, it, it might have, might have been one, the of, one of the Christmas car- Carol ones. Okay. I played, uh, he's a little beggar boy in the streets. I forget, it was Not a tiny. Christmas story uh, type film. I played, uh, the old man who takes them in. And is helps that him. Oliver? No. I don't, I'm not familiar. Yes, Oliver. Oliver. That was okay. it. Oliver. Yes, I played the old man in Oliver. You don't hear anybody uh, called Oliver that much anymore. I like that name, Oliver. Yeah, there was that one. Uh, like I said, impromptu later on. There was another one I forgot the name of. Uh, oh, it had to do with uh, Cleopatra, but I forgot what the name is. That was the college one. Yeah. Uh. Those were the plays. The films, uh, a weird thing tended to happen. 
Mm-hmm. I can remember. I can remember one time I was uh, sitting waiting for an edition, and someone was kind of lecturing me about don't get typecast. Yeah. And uh, since I have gotten typecast, I run up a lot of a lot of credits. There's nothing wrong with uh, being a certain type if you can do it. Yeah, I but think, I'm, yeah. I'm usually I'm usually typecast as the bad guy. Hey. It's they are the most interesting. Yeah. Most interesting characters. I agree, you know what I mean? I forget who said the quote, but I remember somebody once was quoted as saying, I don't care if I'm typecasted as long as I'm casted. You know, so. Yep. And you can have more fun. And it's, it's kind of, sometimes it might be, it might be uh, beneficial to play the bad guy too, because, like, you're a nice guy, so it's probably harder for you to get into that mode play a bad guy because of the fact that you are a good guy well actually it's quite the opposite mm-hmm. because as as a good guy I suppress a lot of things yeah uh, I'm not someone to blow up at somebody I'm not someone to uh, jump all over them and stuff and you give me a character where this, this person has to rip somebody apart and it's kind of like oh all those suppressed emotions are gonna come out that's gonna be it yeah, and I get a chance. It's like my therapy. I get a chance to just let it all out, and something I would never do in my real life. Truth, and so much cheaper than going to counseling. Very much. As a matter of fact, I one of my favorite roles was um, in a film called Easy. It's a short film, mm-hmm. and there's two jewel thieves, myself and a younger guy, and during the first half of the film, or most of it, two thirds of it. <clears throat> I'm an older wimp. I whine about, uh, oh, we shouldn't have beat that security guard. He should have. probably has a family and kids and this and that. At one point, the young guy gets fed up, shoves a gun in my face, and threatens my life, and I beg for it, and I whimper. And then when he turns his back, uh, starts to walk away, I steal the gun. Turn around. Actually, I'm just a double-crossing psycho. Mm. I take a look at him, I hold the gun, I look at him, I said, you young guys are so easy, all balls and no brains. So easy to dispose of. I shoot him. <laughs> take the diamonds. I take the diamonds, go over, he's sitting on the floor, propped against the table, holding his gut, his guts are coming out, and I go over there, give his head a little, you know, tussle his hair around a little bit and say, you learned a lesson, kiddo. And I go waltzing out while he's dying just laughing so I got the I get to do these outrageous things and I love doing those outrageous things yeah I've always thought the villains were like the most interesting uh, characters in the films you know what I mean maybe like the juiciest roles for actors you know because yeah, they gotta be interesting and, and not they gotta you know you gotta really uh, not like these characters where heroes are kinda likable easy it's kinda e- I guess I probably shouldn't say easy to fall into being likable but for the most part I think I think villain you know playing the bad guy is a little more difficult than playing the good guy what's your opinion on that? I would say to make it a convincing bad guy so you don't look like a stereotype so yeah. you come across as something that uh someone's a combination of interested in but hates right you you fascinate the person but they really wouldn't want to meet you on the street get get that right blend in there to make it make it realistic that's uh i think the key to a good bad guy so it's not just a cartoon character yeah you got any favorite villains that come to mind 
not really. I uh, I tend to not look at if I get a script, and even if there's the reference, um, you know, and someone will say, "Oh, something like so and so in this film, and so and so in that film." I tend to not look at it. Mm-hmm. What I tend to do is a uh, different type of research, like uh, well, for this Insomniac. Yeah. When I read that that uh, script and I looked at it and I thought uh, this guy is a bit of a psycho here, mm-hmm. but he's but he's charming at the same time. Yeah, you gotta be. So I I scoured every streaming service I could find, every bit on the internet, and what I studied were uh, the Nazis in Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And I tended to look at not only their public um, public films of them, I read about them, and I also would look at, I was able to dig up these family, uh, these old Super 8 family films, mm-hmm. how they were with their family, and they went out doing these horrendous things to people. Yeah. To be able to try and craft someone who could smile and look at you and didn't give a shit about your life. Truth. Would, would play you and manipulate you because they were the, to me, they were the perfect example of that. Yeah. And hopefully I captured some of that. Yeah. Uh, as a youth, when you were a child or, you know, a teenager, do you remember any, any villainous characters, be it, you know, movie, TV, story, you know what I mean, book, theater, um, that, that reached out to you? I mean, I, the same way I think that would probably look, me and Mel might be, you know, Freddy Krueger and the Joker, you know, Jack Nicholson and the Joker, do you have anything from your youth that you could, any villains that you can think of being really, like, top-notch up there? Uh, well, I always liked the way Nicholson did, uh, did, uh, evil, like in the Joker. Yeah. I love the, I love the way he did it. Um, it's a combination, I don't know, it, it was over the top, but it, it wasn't over the top, it was, you got the, you got the idea just how twisted he was. Yeah. It's great. And I, yeah. I love, I loved it. Um, Perfect balance of insanity. Yeah, but he was sane enough to pull things off in an insane way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Nicholson's very uh, underrated. Uh, great, his body of work's legendary. He's retired, I believe now, which is unfortunate. Are there any other actors that you hold high respect, regard, or you know maybe even influenced Ray Booten as an actor? Uh, I would probably say Al Pacino. Okay. Um, I've seen several of his things, and, uh, I really like the way he does things. Mm-hmm. Um, he's totally believable to me. I forget that it's Pacino, and I get into the character, and that's one thing that, uh, I really like. When I forget who the actor is, and I'm into the character, then I know they've convinced me, then they've done their job. And uh, Pacino does that with me. I forget it. I forget it's him, and I get into the role, the role he's playing, and the story. And it's only afterwards I can say to myself, "He did a good job." Yeah, yeah. Pacino's great. Uh, great. What's your opinion of uh, De Niro, the other heavyweight from uh, that era? Um, I like his young stuff. Um, I think it was very intense, and it was very good. Later on, when he switched uh, to comedy, I enjoyed that also. He did some some things that were comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, the other funny thing is that 
even with all of the and people with the villain roles I've gotten, I've done comedy and to the other extreme. I was yeah. in a film called uh, Wanda, my friends, a uh, guy who owns a company and people are trying to take it away from him and there's a whole other story to it, but there's a scene in there where they, it's during the summer, it's hot, they had me sit down with a coat and a scarf. The director mm -hmm. says, play with the scarf during this board meeting. So I'm playing with it and stuff like that. And then he yells cut and everybody starts laughing. And the director says, I've never seen anyone make love to a scarf before. And they were <laughs> I'm sure plenty of teenagers have done that. And uh, wow. I actually did a, a sitcom pilot, OU2. <laughs> yeah. um, and then they, uh, the a network was interested. We did a second episode. Yeah. And uh, it went into development, but never never quite made it but I love that character because he was uh, completely different from something I usually play mm. there was a scene where someone uh, is touring through the business and there is some uh, ninja dust a, a little bottle that says ninja dust and the person doing the tour takes some throws it on the floor and there's a cloud of smoke Yeah. Well, the owner, owners of the business come by and they look and it's just a scrap of clothing and there's shoes on the floor Mm -hmm. and uh, they're going, oh, my God, we're going to be sued. What are we going to do? My character comes walking by, looks at it, going, dump 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 takes a look at it, grabs some more ninja dust, boom, throws it down. No more shoes, no more nothing, just looks at him. No problem. dump 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 and goes walking on. Yeah. And in that one there, I played a guy who was married for five years and didn't realize his wife was a man. Woo! I like it. <laughs> well, yeah. How do you not figure that one out? Well, there's, there was a scene in the first episode where there was a couple that owned the business and they're fighting. Yeah. And I'm, my character says, tells them that, you know, oh, you shouldn't fight and this and that. You know, nothing's perfect. You should work it out. And they turn around to him and goes, you mean nothing's perfect? What do you mean nothing's perfect? He goes, well, sometimes when I go to sleep at night, when I wake up in the morning, my butt's sore. No. <laughs> Gonna change the toilet seat, I heard, for that. That's what that is. So it was an out there yeah. uh, comedy, and, and I really would have loved to have run with that character. He was way out there. But that's yeah. the opposite side to the, uh, and, yeah, that's the opposite side to the villain, and Pacino did, did comedy, uh, Pacino did comedy also. He did. When he was young. Yeah. Yeah, we're very, uh, very great actors of their time, you know what I mean? I could see Ray Boot, and if they're going to do a Devil's, uh, the Devil's Advocate 2, uh, Evil Boogaloo, I think Ray Booten <laughs> could play the Devil. <laughs> could play the Devil. Sounds like a good plan. I support that, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Ray, what do you like, which do you prefer more? Um, doing theater or film work? I like the film work. There's the immediate response when you do theater. But um, I like the, I like the film work, the time you have to delve into the character, um, the multiple the multiple takes gives you the opportunity to fine tune it the way the director wants it. I like I like all of that in the film. You also have to appreciate the the lasting the long lasting ability of film. With theater, you have to kind of be there to experience, and when it's over, it's over. With film. 
you know, as long as there's somebody... You have a hard to, copy of it forever. As, as long as somebody's always around to push it to people, it'll never go away. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I got a, I got a library of everything I did, and uh, being like the rest of humanity, mortal, um, making copies of it, and someday, hopefully not for a long while, when I'm not around, my kids or grandkids will be able to pull, pull it out and say, hey, look at him, I look at him. And be able to see me. It's a legacy. So, are there are there lost Ray Booten films out there that the world's never seen that you have from like you know maybe before you took the break? Uh, no, because that was that was strictly stage. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some from after break people who uh, made promises and didn't come through it as far as distributing the film or mm -hmm. getting it out there. Unfortunately. Um, the, the other thing I like, I like about film is that when I'm acting, I really kind of shift into another dimension. If I'm looking at somebody, I, I see the character, not the person. And I really go to this other place. There was a film I did, uh, okay, Bottom of the World. Another one, the guy's not a villain, but his, his flashbacks, his wife dies and there are flashbacks of how happy they were. Yeah. And he starts losing it. And, uh, actually loses it so much that by the end of the film, he dug, digs, because they had promised each other that someday they'd get on a boat and sail away together. He completely loses it, digs up her body, puts it in a boat, and he's gonna go floating away with her. This sounds like a personal problem. You know it's I mean? a mental right. break, mental breakdown thing, but there's a scene where they, uh, He's lying down in the bed, and then he sees a vision of his wife, and he's smiling, and then she disappears, and he remembers that she's dead, and they have me lying in the bed, and they put the camera on the edge of the bed, and mm -hmm. there I am staring at a lens, and I didn't even see the lens. I was just in my mind, just going through this whole romantic thing in my mind, and everything's going on, and I'm smiling, and then I just shut it all down, and my face dropped, and they said, oh, good take, yeah, that's good. I didn't see that camera two feet away from me. I was, I get into that zone and a lot of what's around me, I don't even see or notice. And when he woke up, everybody was dead. Uh, no, but he was <laughs> by the end of it. Hey, sometimes it has to end that way, you know. I guess Actually, I wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't mind one like that, you know, turn around, I'm the only survivor standing there with my uh, machete or whatever it happens to be. That's how the world ends, Ray. You know, we'll save it for that. Um, if you were, if you would have to have stayed in theater, do you think you eventually would have jumped off into film, or do you think that you would have just stayed in the theater and, and right now would have been doing theater? I think I would have jumped off in a film. Uh, I was always attracted to it. Yeah. Uh, even when I was in theater, I remember one time they were shooting a film down in uh, Rhode Island and they had open auditions and uh, I went down to do the audition for the film mm -hmm. while I was working for a local theater. It always had that draw. It always yeah. had that, that draw. It's truth. Yeah, the... Uh, Mel, what's your favorite Ray Booten performance? Um... Call me uh, partial, but I kind of like um, Insomniac. <laughs> oh, <laughs> me too, me too. Very nice. 
Hey, we're all positive. You know, it's it's a great group of people. Uh, It is. They're good folks. Now, uh, with Insomniac, Insomniac did a uh, did a, did pretty good at the film festival scene. You know what I mean? Um, what's your take on the, the the whole deal with that, the film festival scene and all that? You know, won some awards, too, if I remember correctly, right? Twelve nominations, yeah. three wins. Yeah, yeah, it did. Even uh, there was that recent one, too, at, at, uh, this year. Severed Limbs? Severed Limbs, yeah. You got, you, you Severed were no- Limbs, yeah. Uh, you were nominated for an award. How, how was that? Tell me about that. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. They nominated three people for Best Villain. Mm-hmm. And I was I was one of them. I didn't get it, but that's the first time I'd been nominated. It made me feel good. Just and a lot that. of that, like uh, a lot of that, is the people you work with. Yeah. Uh, you no one can do it alone. You need the right people around you. And for that, I'm very thankful to having to work with the people that I have. Me too. What do you, how do you feel, Mel? Are you happy for the people around I- you? I have to agree because like when when you're working with a bunch of people and you guys, can, you know, everybody can get along and work well together, it just makes it that much better and that much easier to be on set or, yeah. you know, on stage or it doesn't even matter, at, you know, what the situation is. If everybody gets along, it just makes for a better atmosphere. It's true. Now I seen Ray. You were at the. You started doing conventions recently for Insomniac. You were out there promoting, signing autographs, kissing babies. You know, and, and <laughs> doing the whole deal, politicking. Shaking hands. Yeah. How? How? Would you think of that? You enjoy that? I enjoyed it. It's something new for me. I really got to find out a uh, better way to do it. Got to kind of work on my social skills. I'm basically an introvert. I live most of my life uh, except for my family alone. Yeah. And uh, I really, that was just kind of, okay, I'm going to observe and I'm going to learn. And uh, next time I'll be able to do it a little better, which sounds kind of weird, but it goes back to what I, what I said about acting is that um, being growing up shy, acting gives me an opportunity to release a lot I can't. Mm. So what I'm going to have to do is learn the ropes a little a little bit better on the conventions and I think each one get a little bit better at mixing it up there and at reaching out to people. But what I'm was your it. first convention that you appeared at? Uh, first convention I appeared at? Uh, yeah, that would have been this, the uh, Scarecon and that was for Insomniac. Yeah. yeah oh, was- so we took your convention cherry. You did, and that was really an experience for me. It was cool. <laughs> it's always cool getting out there, meeting with the, the fans, and hopefully fans to be, you know, every anybody who came out and got themselves some Insomniac product, they have that limited edition reboot and autograph on that, you know. I mean, how cool is that, you know? Well, it's one of the good guys. Believe it. Hopefully they kept it, didn't throw it away. They rolled up a big ganja joint with it and puffed it away. <laughs> that was just a nasty rumor, okay? That didn't really happen. Oh, well, you, you sound you, you sound guilty on that. That's true. <laughs> I know. Do you want to admit anything to us in the audience right now? Oh God, no! I don't smoke it. We smoke crack cocaine here at Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. We do not support the use of marijuana. Okay. 
Ray Booten, so you've been you've been doing the acting thing for a while. What what you know? What's your have you seen a change in attitudes since the beginning of acting and where where acting's at now? When you're on the set congregating with your fellow actor, uh, attitude attitude on whose part? Attitude on just you know gung ho, um, you know acting outlook on acting and you know you think they they're the same goals and. You know, uh, I'm sure it's different from where we are. When you started, where you where people wanted to end up is a little different to, than where people would like to end up now. What's your take? Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen it uh, a little bit different. I did notice that um, I'm seeing for the most part right now with a lot of the people that I'm associating with, I'm seeing a lot more pro- uh, professionalism. Yeah. And they're uh, much more supportive of each other. Mm. Not so much back uh, in the day. They weren't that supportive or just... Uh, now everybody seemed to be running around a little bit more a little bit more hectic. And uh, you did your part and then they left you hanging. Well, in a realm... Now it's... Yeah. Excuse me? I was going to say, in a world where no, we're like... There, like right, right now we have a big film community, you know what I mean? Back then when it would just be pretty much... You would do theater and... It would, you know, if an audition was to come up, uh, you would just go audition. But for the most part, there wasn't as much films being made, right? For you guys, just to jump, jump on. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't as there wasn't as much, and I can remember a time where um, you were in theater, and uh, let's say you got a role in a film, yeah. the theater people w- would look down on you. I've heard that, yeah. And it's not that way anymore. People go back and forth. But unless you were already a, a big name, they just look at it and go, "Huh, film. It's not, you know, theater is it." And that's the way it was at one time. The afraid of the new. I've always thought that was just like the old being afraid of the new in a situation, you know. But uh, I don't know. It's weird, you know. I, maybe a little bit of a. I don't know, maybe a little, there might be a little bit of bitterness there, because I really do believe in the theater versus film argument. I do think that the fact that the film can live forever has to be upsetting to the other other team, you know what I mean, to the theater people, because, yeah, you know, people can talk about how so-and-so had this great performance on March 19th, 1973, but no one else will ever be able to see it, you know what I mean? I think there might be a little, there might be a little something under the surface on that, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I could, yeah. Opinion, opinion, right? Uh, Mel, what's opinion. your opinion? Melissa, Melissa, what's your opinion on that? Do they, I, I don't know. I, I, the, the theater, the theater groups do satanic cult worship to try and bring down Hollywood? Is that what happens? Who knows? Stranger things have happened. Is that what happens in the after hours of these theater group halls? Shit. They got pentagrams drawn on the stage and, you know, candles all around and, you know, calling up the, you know, the demons from hell to bring them back to the stage. I bet... Oh, uh, that's... Yeah. That's that's not the opening night parties I remember. I bet... Th- <laughs> I, I bet theater, uh, theater has been involved in some dark, dark crafts, some dark arts in, in the past. And with saying that, I'd like to bring up the fact that, Ray, you, you're also a medium in the spiritual form, right? Uh, yes, but put it uh, bluntly, I talk to dead people. 
You are you're you're Haley Joel Osmond from the Sixth Sense, grown <laughs> up. Uh, no, not quite. I've been seeing him and talking to him for a long time. I was gonna say you you it'd be there'd be a good argument uh, of who would you you could, you could almost if somebody said you were him, you could pass for his age, for 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 his age right now, right? Yeah, probably would. That's scary. Yeah. No, no I'm, I'm a little. I'm a little older. You're a little bit older. I was trying to put put peel back the the the, the curtain a little bit, but yeah, hey, I, I wear these scars proudly. Uh, Ray's been in all the wars. Um, he saved millions of his, you know, fellow soldiers. So, um, but we we're not going to get political today. <laughs> um, so, uh, can you for for the folks out there listening that might not exactly know? what uh, a medium is. Could you just fill them in real quick? A medium is someone who can receive messages uh, from those that have passed on. Uh, They have different types of mediums. My mediumship uh, abilities, I see them. Mm -hmm. I can hear them. Um, I may, if I ask them how they die, I may suddenly feel like I'm hitting my chest and in my mind I say, thank you. The pain goes away and I'll say, oh, they died of a heart attack. Hmm. And uh, I receive messages in a variety of different ways. Um, I'm probably what you would call a physical medium. Yeah. I, physical, I see them, I feel things, um, I hear things, and uh, I just deliver the messages with one basic rule. You don't say anything to me, I say everything. So therefore, you know, I'm not playing off you. When did you first realize you had this gift? Oh, that has to go back. Oh, that would go back probably around maybe about 15 years ago. Okay. Did it just come on you or how how to come about? What what exactly brought it on? Well, I went to see somebody and I sat in the front row, a medium in the yeah. front row, and I'd never met him before. And he told me things about uh, my father that no one else could know. Mm. I spoke with him afterwards, ended up myself and some other people training with him, eventually working with him for about five years, and then went off on my own. So, uh, and since then, I've done a variety, investigated a variety of different disciplines to enhance the abilities and also for protection, and studied with different people. Mm. And uh, right now, I don't, I did it professionally for a while, but I don't do it professionally anymore, only as a special favor to people. What was, did something happen that made you stop? That was something crazy happen or just kind of other things to um, pick up your time? I really, I really don't believe it's something that you should be charging money for. I reached the conclusion that this was a gift you had and it was to help people. And because I used to get a hundred dollars an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> or if I had a gallery, there'd be, a, I would limit it to 20 people, but they would all pay a chunk of money to get in, and it would last for a couple of hours, and I'd deliver messages to people. A one-on-one was $100 for an hour. So I was pulling down good money, Ben. It was hard to walk away from, but it just wasn't right charging these uh, people who were in distress wanting some sort of reassurance that uh, a loved one was still there or that we continued on. You would have to be some type of spiritual guru to be able to walk away from $100 an hour. Seriously. But I got to admit, like, I've had the, you know, I've had the pleasure of, you know, sitting down and talking with you. 
and you know i it, it it's been a hard thing for me to deal with with the death of my mom and mm. go even though it's been four years and that day that we were sitting down together and we were talking like you had me in tears because i was finally able to get some closure yeah. I find that that is that uh, one of the reasons, or probably the reason, that uh, I still may do it for somebody, whether it be spontaneous in a situation like it was with you, or uh, as a favor to maybe a gallery for a family that's in distress. I remember one particular time, um, it was a young lady who had been to several mediums, and... Uh, she came to me, she started talking, saying, oh, I haven't gotten any, any closure, I'd like to speak, and I told her not to say anything, just yes or no, if you know what I'm talking about. And I started describing her father, told him all about things that happened in her childhood, and you could see she was at a point where um, she was on the edge, and I could see her father standing next to her, and I mentally asked her father, you know, give me something so she knows you're still with her mm -hmm. and he pointed to his finger where the wedding band would be and it wasn't there and then he pointed to the pocket and smiled her pocket and smiled and i said your father's standing next to you and he's with you now and he wants you to know that he knows you have his wedding band she lost it yeah but after yeah you kind of that's kind of when i lost it too because that's kind of the same situation I had. You started describing um, an Afghan that I had mm. that was my that my mom had given me, yeah. and that was it. That was like a whole new outcome, or you know, I was I able to visualize it and you know have a lot more respect for for people that are mediums because I'm sure that you you know there's plenty out there that are full of it but you were genuine which was very appreciated because I was struggling really bad that night and you put a lot of things at ease for me well thank you and I'm glad I'm glad I did and I did for that girl that that time I, I did that also she was much better afterwards with her father's death but it's it's the reason that uh, that's the reason I would do it now yeah. not for money yeah, it's good. It's uh, well. I mean, you've um, you've kind of, you've start you've become you. How should I put this? You're you're involved with a podcast, a part a, a part of the Boombastic Media Network. I might add. All right, you know what I'm saying? I'm plugging. Oh, you would. You wouldn't be talking about mostly ghostly, would you? I would be mostly ghostly. What a name! That's fantastic. You know. Yeah, that might be the show I was a guest on, if I recall correctly. Well, that—that's why it, it, it chimed in my mind. You know, and I, if I remember correctly, that episode name was called "Spiritual Treatment" to go with "Shock Treatment." Episode, I think eleven, maybe even. If, if if I'm a I'm a huge fan. I just I don't know how I know these things. I'm just a gigantic fan, you know. Oh God, it's just shameless plug everywhere, and I don't even care. Yeah, uh, but for those who are out there, you know, you can catch me. You can catch me and Raid. We do a podcast together called Mostly Ghostly. Uh, 
on the network. It's on the Dorkening network as well, so it's a nice uh we're 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 definitely brother and sister uh podcasts here, you know. Oh yeah. We definitely have a, a great group of people that we're surrounded by. We are definitely blessed in that aspect. We be blessed. It's good to be blessed rather than cursed, so they say, right? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that one. You take that one, especially I'll take in a, that one, especially in a time like this, time like now, the time we're living in, folks. Oh, very, yeah. very crazy time, you know. So, through uh, what's everybody has a different different opinion of how things go down, and uh. How did, um, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, I'm saying that in a very positive way, <laughs> but how did <laughs> t- how did uh, Mostly Ghostly come about to Ray Boone? Uh, oh, I don't know, I think that was, uh, that was you that came up with it. Well, yeah, but like, we came, you know, me and Ray, you know, did, did some films together, and um, I've always known that. Ray was, you know, not always, but, you know, as soon as I found out about the medium thing, I was always interested in it with it, getting into it with him, because I was always interested in that subject my entire life, and, um, love talking about it. You know, it's one of those big icebreakers, I mean, people that, people that talk about that stuff, I find it very, you know, very, uh, much like conspiracy theorist folks, which I also like to dabble a little bit in. I think those groups of people, once they find each other, like if, if you know, they just they 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 cling to each other, so to speak. They just talk, 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 talk. There's so much to talk about, you know what I mean? And a lot in common and stuff. I think it pops off. So, yeah, I, I know me and Ray always had that in common. And when I started doing the podcasts, you know, um, thanks to Mad Mel over there, you know, the first podcast that I, I ever was a part of, of course, was the Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie show, and that got us, you know, um, opportunities for other shows, and, uh, one of those shows was the Mostly Ghosty Show, and I always wanted to talk paranormal, I know people love it, you know, and I love it, and, and Ray loves it, so, like, when, when, when I decided to do it, there was no other person that I could think of other than the, the boot man himself, and, uh, <laughs> contacted him about it, I believe, right, and, uh, well, of course I did, but, um, I'm trying to think of the time. Family stick together. I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of the, the conversation. I can't even think of, you know, how things went down. I think I just asked him if he wanted to do it. And he, one of those, you know, I, I took everybody on a five hour, a three hour tour. And, uh, just to tell you, I called him and he said, let's do it. But yeah, it, it's a good show. If anybody's out there like, likes the spiritual paranormal stuff, you know what I mean? Are there any episodes that you... Did stick out to you that you really enjoy that you would tell people to you know go check out if they haven't heard an episode before but wanted to check out the show, Ray? Uh, I don't know. We're we're getting close to what's it around thirty episodes now. Yeah, we're getting yeah real close to that. Yeah, I know we got one coming up that'll uh, be out by time uh, anybody hears this about uh, possession and attachments. That is that's one which. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm definitely interested in. Yeah, tomorrow that actually drops officially. But yeah. it'll be out when people hear this. But as the three of us are in real time this moment, uh, drops tomorrow, six a.m. Bada boom, bada I'd, bing. I'd probably say I'd probably say that one's the first one that that uh, comes to mind 
uh, possession. It's almost uh, the possession and the attachments. The brand new shit. That's yeah. Ray's pushing that new episode like nobody's business. Uh, that that uh, that'll be out now for everybody uh, out there. Is who? That's episode number thirty-two. We were close, right? Yeah. You know, you guys, you guys got some good hits over there. You got four thousand three hundred seventy-one listens. Uh, very good. And you've only been going for what? Let me see. Uh, six months. So that's cruising. That's nice. Very good. Give your co-host my congratulations. Kudos. You guys have uh, come far. We didn't even get started and get that many episodes done when we started that quickly. We are, yeah. The uh, the paranormal folks are very kind to us. They're very friendly. We've noticed that, you know, as you dive in and you meet certain people, everybody's got their little groups of folks that they're cool with. So you interview, you know, one person and they say, hey, interview my buddy here, my buddy there, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I mean, right, you know, it's made up of interviews with different paranormal teams and such and people of, you know, that are they're hip to some paranormal, some craziness. Um, and uh, some episodes are just me and Ray discussion, discussing Whatever you know what I mean, uh, whatever the paranormal or spiritual be, you know, I, I like I like the some of the episodes we get into death are really fun, you know what I mean. I like. That? I've got a I've got an idea for an episode of mostly ghostly that I want to discuss with you guys after. You gonna be on it? We'll bring you um, back. Maybe it's a possibility. Um, it's in relation to that project I was talking to you about. Maybe we'll do a double banger tomorrow and we'll record a, a new Melissa Potter interview episode and uh, of Mostly Ghostly in our other episode. Well, God knows. I'm in my sales today about a friend that passed away, so yeah. Oh, no. Sorry <laughs> to hear that. Rest in peace. Like, you want to bring it up and oh, give no, it's, some tribute? Oh, no. It's, it's, it's Matt. It's like a picture oh, popped up in my memories today with yeah. you and me at our, you know, on the anniversary yeah. of our first convention appearance together when we were um, passing out DJ Stan the Man oh. movies to people that, you know, came up and told us the secret word. Is that me looking like a goonie in the purple DJ Stan the Man shirt? That, no, that picture. <laughs> That's the picture, yeah. I, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan. Uh, don't ever take it down because of respect to Matt, but I I feel I if I remember correctly I look I don't look too great and uh, in general, but <laughs> in that picture it was hot and rainy that day. I, we were we, we were surrounded by a million people all day long. We have it. It's it's okay to look like I, hot garbage on an August day. I like. Uh, <laughs> I got like a good. I got posture like the fucking boss in like the dinos, dinosaur TV show back in the day. It was looking good. Well, either way, next to both of you, I was a midget anyhow. So you was a midget. I I don't like the word midget. Could you not use that? We use little people or dwarf. Okay, I'm fun size. I'm be fun human? size next to you. Okay. Can you be human for just two seconds, Mel? Uh, <laughs> why would I want to do that? It would require me having to be a nice person. I don't blame you at all. I'm with hey, you, you know when you when you speak about oh, Ray's the here. Hey, Ray, how you doing? I have to show respect to the little people when you speak about them. Yeah, gotta. <laughs> Ray's a master of the voices. I want to see him in an animated film. Actually, there was a film I did years ago. Uh, it was an animated short, and it was about. It took place in the ocean. Yeah. And there was a mob. The mob was were the sharks. They ran the ocean. They mm. were the bad guys. Like Shark Tale? Uh, nope. And 
My character was Shark Tooth. He was the head shark. And I did the voice for Shark Tooth. Yeah. And uh, actually, in that uh, OU2, I did a, uh, in the second one, uh, there was a sequence where they're watching, it's kind of an animated uh, moon landing. Mm. And I did a voiceover of the newscaster. Ah. And, and the uh, thing I used there was kind of a very bad, what you call Walter Cronkite. Thunder landed on the moon. Now he's going to be leaving the ship. You can see him coming down the... Oops, he tripped and landed on the moon. Stuff like that. <laughs> it was a comedy. Yeah. There's our next Boombastic... Our, our next Boombastic project is doing an animated film where Ray can voice every single character and <laughs> act like he's Eddie Murphy and Nutty Professor. There has been talks of animated movies for like five years. I would love to do one. I know all the right people to do the voices for it. I got I got I got Chad Chaplin over there that could do some crazy animation. Um, I know about more animators that could add to it and do some cra- uh, crazy stuff with it. Uh, I'd love to do it. I got ideas. It's just a, it's very time consuming and uh, you know. Uh, you know, need a little bit of that loot, you know, some of that money. Yeah. You know what I mean? To get oh, things. God, yeah. But, uh, oh, there was a, uh, yeah. Crowdfunding. How are you? Come again? What? I said crowdfunding. How are you? Crowdfunding. <laughs> crowdfunding ain't never been my friend. Crowd, I, we did a crowdfunding thing for uh, DJ Stan the Man, and we. we busted our ass, dude, to make this thing. We were so proud of it. We raised $46. It was the biggest, <laughs> probably top five biggest kicks in the nuts I've ever took in my life. And, uh, of just being completely blown away at, uh, of how much of a failure something was. And, um, and then we muscled on and we went into, uh, spend, uh, every, every one of my checks on the film. So that was nice. But we had, at the end of it, we have DJ Stan the Man, so I, I always have that for my for my uh, my coffee table to leave out there for people. You got Michael Rooker to autograph DJ Stan the Man. Come he, on. I believe he had... Did, did he... He has a copy himself. I didn't autograph his. I autographed... Um, he autographed yours, though. Hollerhan, <laughs> Brian Hollerhands. That's true. I got it. It's, it's across the way from me right now. I'm kind of looking at it. It's very nice to have. I believe I gave, he had one. I believe he got one because I wouldn't have just. Yeah, we gave we did give him a copy of it. I would rather have him taken it than autograph it and give it back to me. But that was very cool of him to do. I have that memory forever. You know what I mean. <laughs> so back back to the man of the hour. More important, Ray Boone. How you doing over there, Ray Boone? You still doing good? Still doing good. Um, actually, that voice. <laughs> The voice thing started because when I took a break from, when I left theater, I went into radio for a while. Now, is that the official reason for leaving theater? Because we never really addressed that, so that'd be cool. That's a nice wraparound. Um, I did radio for a while, and then I went into what people would call regular work. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the radio because it was still, to me, a form of entertainment. Right. Um, I actually worked at a station down in Texas. Uh, you're listening to the Super 75. Tony Ray bringing up the 7 o'clock where Big Josh Ammons takes over with the tunes. I had the evening drive time, so that's a uh, key time. Tony Ray. Yeah. Tony Ray would have made a, a good adult film actor name as well. 
No, it was just radio. Oh, I know, but it would have made a good name. It would have made a good name. Would have been a good story. So what? Uh, it's a good thing that you decided to stay with movies too, though, because you know then everybody wouldn't be able to see your handsome face. Believe, believe that. So paint us a picture of the the radio. What what year? What years were you doing radio? Oh, that would be in the very early seventies. Um, I bounced around in several different formats. They had yeah. one of them called one of them called Drake, and then there was another. But it was a time where not, not the um, rapper, not the rapper Drake. Was that his first no. project? Okay. I'm curious if he was in Texas when they filmed Texas Chainsaw, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I don't know in the area I was in. I was in Abilene, Texas. Yeah. I don't know what else they were doing there. Uh, this was a time when you did not have tapes or you didn't have digital. So you'd have to queue up your record while another one's playing. You either had a recorded commercial or you read the script for the commercial one mm -hmm. of the two and uh, the format was absolutely no dead air so that when you're finished with one thing yeah you the record you go right starts, into the next the record starts to play you start the volume low you introduce the record as the instrumental let's say there's uh 20 seconds of instrumental you're going to use like 18 seconds of that as you increase the volume and so that you're going to stop talking, one, two, boom, the vo vocals come in. It was a very strict, uh, very structured sort of uh, system to work in. Not everybody could do it. Yeah. And we all had fun trying to make sure everybody else failed. <laughs> it was Maybe, uh, it's and Natty do better with a podcast as, a, as opposed to when we were with WBOB because we didn't like having to do things in segments. <laughs> Well, it's, everything's oh, easier now, too. Uh, I just want to jump in real quick and say something. I mean, it was such a craft. Like, everything back in the day was more manual and such more of a craft, even filmmaking. But, like, with, with Chase Carson, uh, star of DJ Stan the Man, who's been a DJ for, like, ever, uh, he'd tell me about the days of having to, like, line up the records where it wasn't just digital, where you, you, all you gotta do is really hit the button and... You know, it just, it, it goes when the next one, when it stops. But, like, you actually had to line up the beat ahead of time. And so when you drop it in, it would, it would be flawless. Like, there was so much to it. You know, nowadays a de wedding DJ will be like, they, they literally could just press, go on their iTunes and start the playlist and leave and come back in an hour and a half. You know what I mean? But back in the day, like... After every song, you had to, like, roll into the next one smoothly. It was just a lot of craft, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've dabbled, in, I've dabbled in DJing here and there, and I've been around, like, I started doing it when you, you know, actually had to, like, switch the music, and then I've done it where, you know, I just queue everything up on a playlist and then go have, it, like you said, go have a drink for an hour and then come back and, you know, go to the next playlist. You were going to say that? Right? Uh, we, we'd be like, it might be a commercial for a local car dealer. Yeah. And you've got to hype that up, you know, get your cars here, you know, Jack's got sales today, put you in the vehicle you want. Yeah. But the next song on the list was romantic. Yeah. So what you had to do is as soon as you finish that commercial, as you're queuing that up and that intro's coming in, you'd have to transition from this hyper selling cars to something along the lines of... um Let's see, uh, oh, and if you already have a car and you didn't get it from Jack's, now here's a special tune for you and your lady while you're out 
cruising. And you'd have to bring the tone down to match the song. And then if something was going up, you'd have to bring your tone and your speed up. And you were doing that all day, depending upon the music and the commercials. And you had to blend it all. It drove some people nuts. This past weekend, I did a little DJing myself, uh, very ghetto digital DJing, where I was. My cousin had a little cookout party situation, and uh, he has these speakers that like plug into your your phone, like through Bluetooth or whatever. And I was uh, I was playing songs, and then at the end of the songs, I'd bring the volume down, and then I'd switch it to an- another song. I'd go find one, and then play it and start to bring the volume back you know, it was on youtube so i'd have to skip the ads so there was real there was some real some real work some real craft to it so the, you know those djs of yesterday's past can accept me as one of them because i i went through the trenches with them you know well, I, I, I don't know you, you did when you're going when you're going through it you have to put up the pranks we used to pull on everybody new yeah i mean one time we had uh a guy, uh, we had run a, a table, and he hung a, mu- a mic over the uh, toilet in the men's room. Oh, no. And we had one of the people run in, and while the song's winding down, he's going in there saying, cue the breaking news, cue the breaking news. And the guy's over there, and he does, okay, now, breaking news, remote. Da-da-da-da. He builds it all up, and he switches over, and it's a toilet flushing. Uh. <laughs> now, he has to improv that and go into the next thing on his list. So, yeah. Okay, okay, new guy. Let's see how good you are. True. So we'd be pranking each other all over the place. Just, just oh, you think you're you think you're good, huh? You haven't seen the next prank we're going to do. See if we can get you to break it on air. I almost feel like that prank wouldn't go over nowadays if you tried to pull off even something as simple and innocent as a, a toilet flush. But like the fact that it was real and somebody in the <laughs> bathroom. I remember like uh, there was a. Uh, Opie from Opie and Anthony got fired for um, like do, taking audio or something of somebody going to the bathroom. I remember so, and you know that that was like ten years ago. So, so in today's climate, I don't think that would ever fly. What do you think? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think it would go today. But some of the things were a bit more harmless. I worked at a radio station in New England that did classical yeah. music and news. Now, radio for Southeastern New England. Anyways, uh, different voice, different yeah. tone, different way of talking on the radio. This, this is classical music. I was also the news director, and uh, I would do a six-minute editorial, and that's a long time, airtime, on the news. And I would pre-record it so they could play it. So one night we got there and we had more than one studio. We got this number two studio set up to go live with the pre-recorded uh, commentary. Yeah. And the guy on the air, as far as he knew, I had left for the day. The engineer routed things so that it would pick up out of the second studio. Hmm. And that would go over the air. So the guy on the air figuring, okay, it's time for me to get coffee, bathroom trip, whatever, yada, yada. He puts in the tape. And it was back in the tape age. He puts in the tape after doing the promo. And what he hears in his studio only is, fuck it, I'm not in the mood. And dead here. <laughs> <laughs> he is freaking out for a few yeah. seconds until he looks up and he notices the red light is not on. It can hit a laughing in the hall. And we're running the uh, the commentary from the other studio. Yeah. He, wanted, he wanted to kill. I can imagine, yeah. 
But yeah, we had uh, kind of an outrageous sense of humor. That's good. You know, I think that that spirit will still be around. You'll still see, you know, uh, the smaller stations would probably have, but not the bigger ones. You know, you gotta, with that, you gotta be careful with that stuff nowadays. Be finished. So oh, yeah. It, we, they, they were smaller stations, and we had a whole lot of fun, and we had a lot of fans, too. Now, Ha, huh, when you work in a radio station, how much do you have to dedicate your time to that? Is that like a regular nine to job, or are you going there a couple days a week? How does that work? Uh, for me, it was a regular job because I, I would want to go in. I'd have to take a look. Again, this was where you had to queue it up, the playlist, make yeah. sure everything was there that I needed, the commercial scripts I needed, and go over them. You know, who was I promoing today? Who was, And I'd be in there hours before my shift. Mm-hmm. And then I would do a four-hour shift. Okay. And then afterwards, put put everything away. So by the time I was, I was done, it ended up being a normal day. Yeah. Did you guys ever break any big tragedies or big news? Not so much break it, but, you know, announce to your your, your group of towns or whatever. Uh, yeah, I was going to leave the station where I, I worked in the news. I was going to leave, and we had an old machine, not the single tape that comes out. I don't know if you've ever seen a mo- movies. It, like, types fast, goes click, 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 yeah. click, click, and they, they pull it, they rip the sheet off and read it. Mm-hmm. And that started going crazy as I was about to leave, and I went over to it, and I just said, oh, shit, it's Studio 2 ready. And I'm going like, what? Get it ready. Breaking story. George Wallace has just been shot. Uh-huh. And we were running as if, fast as it was coming off the wire. We were running the stories over there, and we had people, uh, because we didn't want to miss anything. Mm-hmm. We were a small station. Okay, turn the TV on, see if they got coverage, if there's any gaps in what we have. We'll pull, we'll pull some of that, and then we'll pull from the over here. This is coming in over here. See what you can hear, what you can do. And it was just frantic trying to get information out there um, after this political figure in the South got shot. Yeah. You could if you if you had that piece of paper, I bet it would almost be worth uh, be worth something. You know what I mean to a collector. It probably would. Yeah. Part, it probably part would work right out of a newsroom. You know what I mean? It's a part of history. You know, you know, you know, those things, you don't you don't understand those things you got when, uh, as you're going through them, you know what I mean? And then later, I guess we got a friend. No, we, yeah. No, we were reading them and throw them aside and just grab the newest one. Someone would be running in with it. We got a friend of ours, uh, to bring it back to horror real quick, we got a friend of ours that was on the, guest, uh, on, on the show as a guest, Christopher McGibbon, uh, working on promoting the... Night of the Demons documentary, and he was telling, uh, he told me a story, I don't know if he told it on the show, but he was telling me a story about, they were they were cleaning it, you know, a lot of those older studios, they would just have storage lockers, and all their stuff would end up in it, like if they, when they moved out of their buildings and whatever, uh, all the posters and promotional shit, and everything that they held on to ended up in these storage lockers, and when they eventually didn't pay them, they would just, they would just like, trash it all and it's like to n- knowing how much little respect was kind of for you know the system had for a lot of the horror films and other films and you know films in general um it's kind of crazy to think how much shit that would be so great to have got thrown out Cause i remember they went through uh the studio that went that made i think like the last two night of the demons movies and the, all the stuff that he said that they and they have they like had to throw it out because of like you know 
it's, you know, the business of you to take, like, it's just how it goes, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, so much cool stuff that got tossed. It would have been cool just to, just to kind of have, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's craziness like that. What up? What up, Brian? Yeah, I'd I'd love to have some of the old tapes I made just for my, for my own personal library. But then uh, a lot of them, we slipped into a machine and it was, Virtually identical to uh, the old eight eight track style of uh, eight machine. Yeah, and it was kind of, I wouldn't be able to play it anyway. I have to find someone to convert it to digital. But yeah, some of the some of the stuff we threw away that came through there. Because uh, I remember when we were in Texas, I think it was there was a group, the Fifth Dimension. Mm. They did Age of Aquarius was a big one for them. Yeah, they were coming through, and we did a bunch of promos for them. Uh, for that concert and stuff, and there were some posters and different stuff around. There, there would be a collector somewhere out there now that would love that stuff. Mm, for sure. Yeah, all that you you could you'd have a little small fortune on your hands if you had that stuff still. You know. Oh yeah, but I don't. I got the memories though, which is more important. You know what I mean. Uh, Oh yeah, I don't have the posters. I live it. You can't take the posters with you, but you can take the memory with you. No one can take the memories away. Mad Mel will take the poster, and you can take the memory. But when you when you get the film done, you get the memory and something that carries on. That's true. A legacy is built. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So uh, the legacy of Ray Booten continues. I heard that you, there was, uh, you know, some people would say that you know, um, you know, you, you've been doing the film thing for a while. You know what I mean, acting for a while, and you're, you're branching out soon, and you're you're jumping on, you're jumping in the hot seat, the big chair on the other side of the spectrum. Uh, I heard there might be a, a Ray Booten directorial debut effort on its way. Is this true? Uh, well, I finished up a horror short. I finished up the screenplay for it. Yeah. And uh, I intend to direct it, have a clear view of how I want that to go. And it's based on a real incident, so that makes it even better. Yeah. And that'll be that. Um, as far as acting goes, uh, I was recently just cast in a role for When the Sun Dies, post-apocalyptic oh. thriller. I like the name. Yeah. So I got a I got a speaking role in that one there, kind of the end of the world sort of film. Uh, and uh, a couple of Matt Fisher projects coming up. I hey, think. it's true. Boombastic, oh yeah. Well, Ray is uh, a member of the Boombastic family. He's always uh, included in the bunch, much like Mad Mel over there being quiet, you know. Are you there, Mad Mel? We, lo- we lose Mad Mel? I'm here. Yeah, occasionally oh. I can be quiet. You were scaring me. I was getting ready to run over there to perform CPR. Go hop in the car. So, uh, yeah. By the time you got here, I'd be dead. <laughs> well. Ray would be talking to me from the other side. It's the effort that counts. Well, yeah, we're going to start doing that. I thought, I thought, me and Ray talked about that in an episode of Mostly Ghostly recently where we'll start, we're going to start bringing on guests from the other side. 
Ray doesn't want to do that it, would though. Definitely interesting. I don't think Ray wanted I, to do it, though. I bust people up. I say, you think I'm bad now because I can talk to dead people. Where do you see them? Where do you see me on the other side? What I can do to you? And I go, oh, oh no! It's like, oh no! I won't be able to get rid of them. That's right. <laughs> I know Ray Booten's a gigantic Godzilla fan. Uh, would a dream bucket list project to be in a Godzilla film? Yes, it would be. Yeah, I own every Godzilla film ever made. When did your when did you first fall in love in that 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 crispy dinosaur? I first fell in love oh I think it would have been in the sixties. I was young and I went to theaters and saw Godzilla. And that was it. I was hooked. Yeah. And I've been hooked ever ever since. How I love the films, I love the way they're made and uh I think they're great fun. How many Godzilla films are there? 38? Uh, I think it's 32. Or maybe the last one, Godzilla King of Monsters, may have been 33. I have that one, too. Um, I don't like the U.S. ones as well as the Toho ones. Mm -hmm. uh, Toho is... I also have all 13 of the Gamera films. But uh, sticking with uh, Godzilla... Um, Toho combines a weird sense of humor mm. <clears throat> at times in all of the films. Sometimes it's twisted, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one uh, one of the films. Uh, Godzilla stomps a building. There are some, uh, I don't know, twenty somethings. They're in a building, and Godzilla crushes the building. And then later on, uh, you see one of them who's got their leg in a cast and they're all wrapped up and stuff and they're in a hospital screaming and taken down the hall, Godzilla's coming, Godzilla's coming. And then they're in a room and sure enough, Godzilla shows up later and this person feels the vibrations and looks out the window and starts screaming and Godzilla walks by and this young girl puts her head back and goes, ah, the tail comes along. Boom! Right where her window was crushes the wall in her. Yeah, that's the sick Doho humor I like. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, I made it! Stop! No, you didn't. Yeah, and uh, those those little touches. Yeah. And plus, I uh, I admired the Toho Studios. The before we got into all the CG recently with mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. films and Shin Godzilla, the Man in the Suit films. Uh, I'll call it that. Yeah. Um, the average Toho budget was $10 million to crank one out. They would wow. make that back in less than a week. Just in a release in Japan, never mind around the rest of the world. That was a massive moneymaker, but they stayed true to form. They had their fans. And uh, I admire that studio. They, they had something they did not abandon. They just kept going and going. Yeah, it's almost like they're Superman in a way. You know what I mean? Well, it's I know that uh, Toho has a contract with Legendary, who's doing the U.S. films, but they have a long-range plan to uh, take take control of that back. And they're just like you have the Marvel universe; they're going to have the Godzilla universe, and they're going to be releasing films. Their plan is one a year. That'd be cool. I mean, hopefully, it doesn't well, get you know played out, but. 
I support Godzilla. Did you like uh, the Matthew Broderick Godzilla? I know a lot of people kind of snub their nose at that one. That one was okay, but I don't think it was really up up to standard. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like the monster itself that much. It deviated too much. Um, I think it was last night I popped in Godzilla 2000. There you go. Uh, watch that. Watch that one again. Well, let me see here. Wait, How did you like the Shin Godzilla movie? I liked the Shin Godzilla. I love the way it was directed. Um, some of the things most people don't know about that film is that the director, like there's scenes when the first variation of Godzilla comes up, the river and things are flooding and things are being pushed aside and people are running down the streets as the way comes and stuff. What he did was he took scenes of the tsunami that came through Mm. and he made that look a lot like the tsunami. He did the same thing for when they show the emergency center with all the people in it and stuff. A lot of those scenes were structured to look a lot like what happened uh, around the time of the nuclear meltdown and the tsunami that came through. Yeah. So it had some potency in that area. Um, and it's also the first time I've seen just about any, almost any monster film, where um, people were not, I mean, there's good social commentary. You see people on a roof with their cell phones filming from a distance, and he kept it up to date there. But whenever Godzilla showed up, instead of people running in one direction trying to outpace Godzilla, you see people splitting off in all directions, running sideways, this way, that way, the way people would in a panic. So he had some, he added some nice touches in there as far as the directing and uh, some of the touches. And I thought the acting was good as well. Yeah. Yeah, the Godzilla films are always fun. You know what I mean? There's always something, something about them. Some are better than others, but even the ones that are bad, there's always something about them that, you know, you can find enjoyment. And make them worth watching. Yeah. And they'll go on forever, you know. Oh, and I love, I love the touch when they're evacuating, like, the prime minister and the whole cabinet into a helicopter and it goes to take off and it just so happens to fly into when Godzilla turns around that, uh, radiation heat breath and now there's no more government left to save the people <laughs> i love it you ever think about writing a script for funsies me and i uh, have yeah i have an i have an idea it would be a creature feature mm-hmm. but it would basically be it would start off with something like uh i pick an animal something like a squirrel or something of that sort uh contaminated could be toxic waste or something it's large and mutated attacks a small town it's going to be kind of the comic, uh, the comic sort of thing. Well, um, I don't don't give the public away any ideas. Someone will steal them. One of our big, our gigantic audience on shock treatment might steal that that idea. I run with it, but I will. Well, yeah, I gotta get it. Gotta get it. Um, <laughs> but I will. Copywritten now. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something. The, the couple of old geezers hanging around outside the laundromat out back, and the military can't stop it, but they figure out how to kill it. No one will figure that ending out. I think, and Ray Booten's going to play one of those guys. I give myself a small role, one of those cranky old geezers out front who, who say, oh, screw this, and then they try something outrageous and it kills the monster. Like, yep. <laughs> pass, pass me a brew. 
We've got to kill the monster. I can see you in, like, uh, there's these movies that I think Danny Trejo does, and I think Danny Glover's in one, um, where it's, like, these veterans that are all badass. Not VFW, though. VFW probably is along these lines. I just haven't checked it out yet. I got it upstairs. But uh, I could see Ray Booten beating that. If, you out, if you're out there and you make films... You need to get the Ray Bootman in your film. That's all I know. Well, I, I think that the, uh, along with villains, the crazy old, cranky old nutcase is another thing I'd love to do. Cranky old nutcase? I like that. Oh, yeah, guys making wise-ass remarks all over the place. Everybody thinks he's crazy, and he ends up saving the day and just laughs at everybody and then goes back to smoking his pipe or whatever. What I meant by funsies earlier, too, I just want to sidetrack, go back real quick. Um, fun, me, uh, me and Mike Calvin wrote uh, for funsies, to get real lame with a word, but for funsies, me and Mike Calvin wrote uh, a sequel to Ninja, Ninja Turtles movie. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which will most likely... I support that. Which will most likely never happen, but the fact that we got to like do it is funsies, you know what I mean? So... Uh, and I feel like it would almost be interesting to read a Ray Booten written Godzilla film. That's why I bring it up. I'd love to read that. Well, it would be much more along the, the lines of a Toho film. I'll, I'll give you that that much. Not not the U.S. I like the uh, the Toho films. Um, really, are not afraid. I can think of several of them off the top of my head where the uh, as a heroine. Oh my goodness. Season. That's very witty times. That's a big they, topic right now. But they've been doing that for a long time. These are older films. And the lady was a kick-ass one. I, uh... I would like to see, like, a cheaply animated movie. Instead of Godzilla, it's Goodzilla. So you don't get in trouble. <laughs> but it could look alike. <laughs> go, go, Godzilla! Um, it could be big. I, I like that. It'd be cool though. I would like no, no, no jokesies. I'd love to read uh, a Ray Booten Godzilla movie script. That'd be uh, that'd be cool. Yeah, it's kind of epic to see where he would take the character. It's fun. I, I got tipped off to the idea. I remember years ago there was a film festival doing a contest that was like write a script, write up, uh, write an episode to your favorite TV show. Like that was the contest, and I said, "What a." fun idea that is and then it would do you know it spawned off mm -hmm. ideas it was a it was a archie bunker uh my idea was an archie bunker all in the family episode and it was archie bunker dealing with um barack obama going into the presidency it's fun though because that would because be you got the you well I love that show that show is one of the greatest shows that was ever on TV and you take what you do is you just take the characters and you re you tell a story the way that it would unfold in the format of the show you know what I mean yep but I love that concept because even if you know like there'll never be another sh episode of All in the Family period but it was just fun to make fun to write an episode that would have like fit in you know what I mean. Um, and that's I, I like I like that aspect with like, you know the the the, the you know the script writing or if you were, like the treatment it's good for the imagination it's good for writing I mean it's a good writing like technique or good writing um you know what do you call it uh there's a word for that but there's like a good it's a good little tool that you can practice you can practice sh sharpening your tool of uh 
writing. You know, when I first started writing, and uh, one of the first things I was told about writing is write your first script and then throw it away. Like, write it, and then to get it out of your system of writing a script and then just discard it. Which was all I, I. That was all the. I, I. I understand the concept of it. I'd never do it, but like I. Under, I understand what they're going for with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Ray just started writing. How you like writing? You looking forward to directing, or what do you think? You, you, I'm, look, you I'm looking forward to it because there's I. I'm a very visual person. Yeah. So I write. I see the story in my mind first, mm-hmm. and then I write it down. And uh, when I when I'll be directing, I'll be taking that story I've seen in my head and yeah. already, and creating that image in front of me, and that mood, uh, and telling that story the way I saw it in my head. And I'm looking forward to, to uh, do that to get it that way. Uh, it appears in my mind. That's how it starts. I mean, that's. You know, I talk to people and they go, "How do you know? How do you do it?" It's, it's just like if you can if you can think of if you can envision a moment or a scene in your head, you can direct because all it really is is you know, out opinion and outlook and you know, just saying, "Hey, this is how I see it in my head." And I think I think anybody can kind of do it. You know, certain people might be able to do it better than others, but I think anybody can kind of like do it for the most part. You know, and uh, and I'm, that's not saying anything bad about YouTube kind folks that are picking up the uh, the, the, the director's caps which uh, I'll need sizes to get you guys your director's caps so they, they fit appropriately but um, I'm looking forward to seeing you both um, direct it's exciting for me because you know it's two completely different walks of life I feel and uh, you know different outlooks and opinions and stories to tell and uh, it's gonna be fun, you know. It's gonna be a good thing. It's gonna be a good thing. I think a lot of good things are blossoming out of the tragedy that is COVID. You know, who's to say some of these things might not have came about if people weren't didn't have time to let things, uh, you know, blossom. Yeah, so, being stuck at home is trying to put the imagination on full blast. Everybody remember the TV show Blossom? Yep. Nope. You don't remember it? <laughs> right, nope. I like that. That was great comedic timing. Um, right. That Blossom, I, I think Blossom, I forget who played Blossom. I know Jory Lawrence was in it. He, that's where he It was, was uh, Maya Biop. She was on, um, what is that, Big Bang Theory. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's uh, she's somebody's sister, I think. Um, whoa, Joe, Joey Lawrence had like some type, I think it was, whoa. He had like a, a little yep. thing. Whoa! That's how terrible it was at the time. That's all he had to do to become famous. Whoa! I remember Brotherly Love. I'll bring up Brotherly Love and then we'll pop it. Just because I got Brotherly Love for Ray, so I wanted to bring it up. But I remember the show Brotherly Love was good times. Um, and then I'll stop talking because I'm ashamed of myself for just saying that. So Ray, do you want to say anything else in closing uh, about you know? your journey thus far and what you what you plan on doing in the future? Uh, I, what I plan to do is, uh, well, actually, I got a second. I just wrote the first screenplay. I got a second one planned out I'll be doing. It'll be longer, closer to a feature length rather than a short. Yeah. Uh, I'll be working that one. 
Uh, continue acting, definitely that. Oh yeah. Wherever, wherever I can find it, uh, it looks like a good project. I'm game. I'm there. Uh, and still that holy grail of mine, which is uh, finding my way into a Godzilla film. Hell yeah, you got my vote. Mine too. Or writing screen, writing screenplays, directing, and. Uh, Mostly acting, and also not to get uh, definitely more mostly ghostly. More podcasting, I dig it. I dig it. Oh yeah, we need to start a petition to get Ray in the new Godzilla movie. I'm down. I support it. I support that to the fullest. So yeah, you can uh, let 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 folks know where they can catch uh, you and your work. Look you up on the social medias and such, and where can they find mostly ghostly? Uh, well, I know Mostly Ghostly has a Facebook presence. Sure does. Ghostly presence, yeah. I also have a spiritual site on Facebook called uh, Companions of Spirit, which I post Mostly Ghostly to. Mm-hmm. I have a Facebook acting site, Reboot Nactor, and uh, the IMDB. Hell Yeah. I like it. Uh, I, I keep it out there. There's some other smaller sites, but those are probably the main ones right now. Yeah. And with the YouTube, uh, yeah, Mostly Ghostly can be found, much like this show, anywhere that this show can be. If you're listening to this show, Mostly Ghostly will be will be in the uh, search engine for it, most like, mostly likely, okay? <laughs> so... Check It'll out be one that. of our next door neighbors. Yeah, that'd be cool. If only we could loop. I wish we could chunk them together. We probably could. But after that, Leo would probably have to do that. But I don't know. Leo's a busy guy. Um, but yeah, so yeah, check out Mostly Ghostly uh, on the same network. Should catch us. And if you like paranormal, spiritual, if it, it, what what would be your best way to describe Mostly Ghostly to somebody if you were talking to somebody on the street, Ray? I'd say, uh, I'd say paranormal, mostly to do with, uh, it has ghosts, but it has a, it has a touch of spiritual too, because, uh, once you're talking about, uh, ghosts, and you're also talking about other entities and other dimensions, and we also quite often reference and look into how other cultures look at it and legends and stories about it. So it's, in that sense, it's kind of comprehensive, but, um, basically, it's a, if you like Ghost, mm-hmm. you're going to find something in there. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. It's all good in the hood. Filmmakers out there, theater directors, get Ray. Would you return to theater if approached? Would you return? You ever thought about uh, it? I, I probably would. I do a student theater, yeah. Fucking, you heard him right there, folks. Hit him up. You need Ray Booten in your film, folks. If you want your film to be a big success and you want to sell DVDs, you know what I mean? Hell yeah, you heard it from me first. But uh, with that being said, you know, Ray, it was great having you on uh, the show. It's been a long time coming. And uh, glad everything worked out. We could work things out with your people and pay what we had to pay. And uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Get, get this all worked out, you know? Uh, it was, it was, uh, Bonnet, thank you for having me. It was, a, it was a fun time. Tell Bone Crusher that the rest of the payment will be in by the end of the week. 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was nice doing business with them, and hopefully we can get you on the show again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, we'll, uh, we'll get... We'll get bonkers. I'll use, uh, I'll use, a, uh, use a better pay-up, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bone Crusher said, you better give Ray a good interview, give my mom a t-shirt, I'll let it happen. I said, all right. Actually, actually it, ain't, it ain't Bone Crusher you got to worry about. It's me and the boys coming down out of the hills. <laughs> we going to get you. Oh, no. They're going to kill us up. We got... Uh, <laughs> Shock treatment with Mel and Maddie. T-shirts are coming, so Bone, Bone Crusher's mother will be receiving that uh, T-shirt soon in the mail. And uh, with that, we'd love to tell everybody thanks again for listening to this episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie with Ray Booten. You know, thanks everybody for uh, coming along with us on this journey, on this episodal journey. All right, right, folks. Enjoy. We'll catch you all on the next episode. Bye. 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 Go, go, Godzilla. Godzilla.